Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it is time for your weekly update on all the royal news you need to know. My favorite (laughs) time of every week, Roberta. (laughs) Same, same. A couple of royal reminders before we dive in. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join the Facebook group Royally Obsessed. You can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Leave us a royal rating. Pretty please would make our day. Send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. It's actually like the best part of my day week when we get an email. So please write us. (laughs) We've gotten such good ones recently. I feel like we're on a roll here. So don't let us down. (laughs) Keep them coming. How was your weekend, Roberta? It was nice. It was really relaxing. I went kayaking actually, um, which was so peaceful. Wait, did you post a video of this? I think I I did. Did you really see a gator? I saw a baby gator. I saw um, turtles, no otters, and no manatees. That's what we were really looking for, but there were none. The manatees can't swim in that shallow of water, and the otters, I think, were hiding. (laughs) But we saw a lot of nature, and it was really fun. This is a dumb question, but do you get scared when you see a gator, even a baby gator? Yes, because you know that the the mama gator is, like, close by. They don't really go that far, so that's the scary part because – the baby, if it's like four feet, you're like, okay, the mama must be like 10, you know? Whew. Like that's – I get really scared of like big gators. The little ones don't scare me very much, but – Gators are quite popular in my household right now because Finn is obsessed. Oh. So <laughs> I have all the questions. We'll offline about it. <laughs> now I know what to get him for yeah. his birthday. Exactly, exactly. Well, Rachel, how was your weekend? It was good. I actually – I don't know if I told you this. I Maybe I'm taking a page from you, but one of my New Year's resolutions is to shut down work by 10 p.m., which I know sounds insane, but it really – you know, it, it's kind of a crazy work day in the pandemic. You know, you're working yeah. all hours. And pick up a book. So I've been really cranking through some novels. That's good. But one book that has been at the very top of my list for a couple of years now truly is 99 Glimpses of Princess Margaret. And I think a couple of our um, listeners have re-recommended that to me and to you over the course. Mm -hmm. And I'm really loving it. So I just wanted to – I'm so happy I picked it up. It also is the prettiest book cover, but – I'm enjoying delving into the the world of Margaret. I know. Last week we talked about her grandchildren, and I feel like I've always wanted to know so much more about mm-hmm. her. So keep me posted. Well, it's I, such I an interesting know. biography because it's like it includes diaries, it includes dreams and announcements from the palace. Oh, it's like wow. a very cool mix of information. So I recommend it. I'll, I'll mail it to you when I'm done. Yes, please do. <laughs> I finished watching Diana in Her Own Words, the documentary by Tom Jennings. Also on my list still. Yes. It was – Really good, really heartbreaking. Not anything that we didn't know already, obviously. It's all the recordings from the Andrew Morton biography, mm-hmm. and a lot of that stuff actually did get left on the cutting room floor. So, I mean, it it was, you know, if you'd listened to the You're Wrong About podcast, they talk a lot about it um, and about, you know, the revelations in those recordings. But it was just – it's really hard to watch. Like, every time yeah. I feel like there were all these signs that things weren't right, and yet – you know, little was really done. Swept under the yeah, wasn't. To, to actually help her. And I think like 
The things that were done are also a sign of the times and how we've changed our approach to mental health so much over the recent decades. So I think that's a big, like, you know, instead of prescribing someone Valium, like really mm-hmm. having actual help and counseling for someone who's struggling. I think that's, you know, part of the problem. But yeah, absolutely. Crazy. Oh, on we a, had a very note, royal though, weekend, though. I know we did. We really <laughs> did. The best. We take this source material very seriously. Yes. Um, I also read. I don't know if you saw this, Sarah Jessica Parker's Grub Street Food Diary. No. Did you see this? No. Okay, so I'm not a Sex in the City fan. Never really watched it. I'm a big it. time Sex in the City fan. Okay, good. Because I was going to say, <laughs> I feel like in real blasphemy. Time. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm absolutely like the minority here. But um, the food diary she wrote for Grub Street is about all about what she eats in a day. And it goes through a whole week. And it was really good. And she talks about how Matthew Broderick makes her bolognese and has, like, studied and perfected this recipe. And it reminded me of Prince William. So, oh, do I, Did I ever tell you time. my SJP story that I sat next to her at a play? No, wait, what? What was she like? <laughs> that was my, like, moment where I was like, I can leave New York now. I've had, like, the iconic <laughs> celebrity moment. But she was so darling and lovely. And I just – it was this tiny, tiny, like, hole-in-the-wall performance with Maura Tierney. Wow. I'm, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of the show right now. I I mean, I can't believe that. But I just was a little bit late, and I had to scooch past her. And I, I don't even – I probably don't remember the show because I was so distracted by my seatmate. But she was a wonderfully attentive audience member. Was she with Matthew Broderick? No, she wasn't. Oh, okay. She was with a friend, I think. But anytime anyone came over to her – because a lot of – people in the audience did come over and say, we love you. And she was completely kind and gracious and reading the New York Times at intermission. She was lovely. She talks about going to little theaters in this piece. And also, I just need to read this quote because I know you'll really like it. It's about New York. And it says, to me, being on the subway with a book heading toward a meal, I honestly can't think of anything better with the exception of sitting in the theater or watching the ballet. It's a vacation. You are literally transported and I miss it so much. It hurts. It's not just our love for those places, but everything that surrounds it, all the servers, all their families who are counting on them to send money home. It goes on and on and on. I just felt like you know, I have missed New York a lot in this past year, but that really, I don't it's know, the little really nuances, the zip, zip, zip around the city. I know. I'm yeah. so homesick. Yeah. We'll get back to it. New York's still there. It's going <sighs> to, it's going to come back. I know. I know. Well, so much on this episode, as per usual. Uh, we are getting into Prince Harry's Fast Company piece. He, he was interviewed for a second piece, um, talking about social media again and sort of the perks and pitfalls. We also have a du- double Zoom, I'm calling it, from Kate Middleton um, because we saw her twice in the past week since our last recording. Yep. And a couple of updates on Megan's trial and a new dog for the Cambridges, a lot that we're talking about this week. Okay, but all things considered, I feel like Actually, we always say there's so much. This week is really – I feel like it is nice that we get a little bit of breathing room between things. Like because everyone's returned to Zoom, because, you know, we're still waiting on – to hear what the judge declares for Megan's trial. I feel it's a little like we bit have of like a, a little bit. We can't say the every week is of the, the storm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> every week can't be the busiest week. So it is good that we'll get to really dig deep into those couple things. All right. We always save time, though, for our Royal Refreshment. And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. Cheers! I made a Cheers. real cocktail today. 
What but is we, that? It looks so beautiful. It's a hot toddy. <laughs> Which, is that only allowed at the holidays? I mean, no, absolutely okay. not. You can drink okay. hot toddies whenever it's, you want. It's supposed to snow any minute here in Massachusetts. So I was like, I feel like I need something warm and and, and you just have like a cinnamon hug. stick. I have a cinnamon stick, whiskey, hot water with lemon and honey. Wow. It's delish. I'm it's, really jealous. I started sipping before we were recording. I'm <laughs> Don't I'm you. sipping on a green juice. What? I'm doing a three day juice club and it is Roberta. terrible. Oh my I know. Gosh. I needed I needed a big like reset button because yeah, I've really that. just ever since the holidays have gone full throttle the into snacking has been a little out of control on my yeah, <laughs> and I thought you know once we like went through the five batches of Christmas cookies that we made we'd be able to like not I when I say we me I'd be able to <laughs> yeah and I just haven't so this is my you know green juice looks terrible bravo. I'm holding it up to the zoom bravo camera. i will toast you with my hot toddy <laughs> i'm cheers jealous. i'll be joining you in one day i have one day left so. okay all right good for you mm-hmm. oh. all right as we're sipping we got a lovely note from Marlies on Instagram. She said, Today's episode was wonderful as always. I did want to let you know that the idea of eight seasons of Bridgerton isn't too far-fetched. This is based on a series of eight novels, one for each sibling. As a fan of this series for almost 20 years, I'm so thrilled with the Netflix series and can't wait for what comes next. Welcome to the obsession. Bridgerton so, obsessed. It's happening. <laughs> good heads up, Marlies, because I feel like, you know, we thought that was absolutely wild, but it could be – it's possible. We yeah. could have eight seasons, and, you know, they just confirmed for season two. Which is so exciting. I actually, because of this DM, I was looking up the sort of uh, summaries of each book and in season two. And we heard this also from interviews and things like that with uh, Jonathan Bailey, who played mm-hmm. Anthony, but just mm-hmm. that – it's the second book is called The Viscount Who Loved Me, and it is meant to be, we're presuming, about his relationship and sort of finding his yeah. person. So I think that's really one of the interesting plot lines of season one because he's so annoyingly protective of Daphne. And it's mm-hmm. like, can you please like find I mean, he obviously has Sienna. I don't want to spoil anything, but it is like really frustrating. And in a way, I was like, he's so protective that I almost feel like he's in love with his sister. That's how weird it is. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was getting like really weirded out. I was like, can you please also is it Anthony or Anthony? It's Anthony. I totally misspoke. And it's thank Anthony. you for mentioning that. Be- yeah. No, because <laughs> some people in the show say Anthony and other people in the show say oh, Anthony. I don't know if the cast isn't on the same page. I'm pretty sure that there were times when they said Anthony and I was like, wait, Daphne just said Wait, whatever. did you Sorry. this is such a tangent. Sorry. Quick additional tangent. Did you see the Netflix interview where they asked Daphne what happens to her necklace that the uh the prince gives her? Because do you remember that scene where it kind of like wasn't I read this somewhere, yeah, that she left it on the wall. Yeah, and I I remember, like, just being like, what happened to the necklace? Obviously, our eyes are on the jewels, right? That's what we think about. (laughs) We're really (laughs) obsessed that we are. But I feel like um, in the interview, she said – I can't believe I didn't notice that. And yes, uh, she she was totally caught off guard. She made a joke that uh, Cressida must have swiped them. Anyways, I thought that was funny. That is funny. That's really, really funny. I, I, yeah, I actually, d- I don't think I noticed that when it happened, but now looking back, I'm like, what, where did that necklace go? It was I'm such watching a big it a deal. second time, so ignore me. I want to do that. I, we said we were going to do that. I do want to know if season two of Daphne's baby bangs will get a much needed update because 
they're tragic. I have to say that was one, the one so thing I really without hated. them in all the, the interviews. Show. She looks so stunning. I know. I know. She they're just stunning. so weird. And I read a recent interview. <laughs> We're so pretentious. I have to say, though, she talked about what Roger Jean Page smells like in a recent interview. <laughs> she said he smells like coffee in a nice, not like pungent way, which I was like, oh. Oh my gosh. Great. All right. We have to move on from Bridgerton. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to mention, so we have a royal find of the week. Valentine's Day is coming, which we wanted to get you guys on a, a head start towards this. I just got this for Matt and it may be weird, but I think it's awesome. I found it on Etsy from at Happy Rose and it's an illustration of Josh O'Connor and Emma Corrin from The Crown. And it says, I love you, dot, 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 whatever that means. I hope Matt's not listening because I truly did just order this. Um, it is so cute. As is a that inappropriate? It's kind no. of. Oh, like it's me. so good. It's <laughs> Whatever so that good. means. Whatever A little that homage means. to Charles. Yes. Anyway, yeah. so you guys should definitely check out the Royal Valentine's cards on Etsy if you're looking for inspo because there's so many gems. This is such a ro- good royal find. I also found one that said for Bridgerton people. Yes, uh, yes. There's a great it collection. It said, you're the Penelope to my Eloise, which Aww. I thought was really sweet. And it's a, a drawing of them sitting on the couch eating chocolates. It's really cute. There's so many good ones. There's I Burn Free ones, obviously, with obviously. Duke Hastings. Yeah. Um, so many good lines from that show that you could use for Valentine's Day cards. So if you haven't ordered... Time to do that. Time is now. All right. This week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. Flashing back not too long ago, February 2nd, It feels like a decade ago. but When we think about what we were doing then, it just feels like, yeah, forever ago. So a really quick one this week. The BAFTAs this year have been pushed to April, but they're usually in February. And last year, Kate and William attended about a month before COVID really locked down everything. So this was really one of their big last hoorahs before going into lockdown. Kate wore a white and gold Alexander McQueen dress that she had previously worn in Malaysia in 2012, and William wore a very dapper-looking tux with velvet slip-on shoes. Love Love that that, for William. William. Because actually, in a lot of pictures, you don't look at his shoes, but they looked incredible i mean he just was it's like, like the the men's version of birdies for yeah, megan <laughs> it is exactly that that is such a good description all right well here is the clip hey britain heard you just became single welcome to the club he says um that he is gonna name this harry because uh he is really excited about bringing it back to the states with him and that's reminder Margot Robbie reading Brad Pitt's acceptance speech at the BAFTAs and the camera obviously pans to William and Kate looking very, you know, they're good sports about it. They are. They're laughing and clapping. Kate kind of looks to Will to make sure that he isn't like a stunned face and then they continue clapping and they actually look genuinely like they think it's pretty funny because this definitely is a burn. Like she says that Harry's leaving and they call it out in front of everyone. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it shows how at ease they are with each other and in that situation because obviously going to an award show like that. which they've done for many years, they know that they're going to be the subject of many a live shot that pans right to them and to have Brad Pitt. I mean, I got to profess my love for Brad Pitt real quick because that was, I mean, I love him in general, but that was amazing and so cheeky and funny. Oh, wait. Good question. Brad Pitt or Prince William, if you had to decide. Oh, my gosh. (gasps) 
Rachel, I thought I knew the answer to this. <laughs> I love Brad Pitt, but I, I mean, I don't know. I can't even answer that on the record. I feel all right, like... Okay. All right. Now I know. I just think Brad you. Pitt is so dreamy. He's like classic he Hollywood. He I can't I would pick him over Prince William. I yeah. Think. <laughs> Only. <laughs> Are we allowed to say that? Did we just like go so. against our? No, ethos? we can no. say that. We can say that for sure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think Kate and William they just seem to be very comfortable in their own skin and and all that. Click on the link that is. The Giphy link that's right there, okay. and you can see their reaction. Yeah, that's. I mean, like they like, genuinely uh, look uh, like uh. they find it pretty funny. Like <laughs> yeah. that's like a good burn. In- yeah, it doesn't even seem fake. I feel like they they went with it. They were okay. They so were- now picture that reaction. That was the GIF reaction of them laughing and clapping. And now, this other clip that happened the same night, and the reaction is a complete opposite. So we're gonna play this other clip. It is um, really great to be here at the Royal Andrew, uh, uh, Royal Harry, no, um, Royal, uh, at, at this Royal Pal- Palace place. Brutal. Rebel Wilson kind of taking the joke a little too far because now they are not laughing and they are definitely looking a little more awkward. And it's definitely the contrast between you know, obviously William loves Harry as a brother and Andrew is, is much, much bigger. It's, it's a scandal. It's not just Harry's yeah. moving away with his wife. It's an actual royal scandal. So they were not feeling that one so very yeah. much. And But it's funny <laughs> to see all the cutaway shots of them. I think also I just miss red carpet William and Kate. I know. Well, so I was going to ask you with the BAFTAs in April, it will still be virtual most likely. So I looked last night and they said that they would be selling tickets to the red carpet, like, I guess you can get buy a ticket to, like, be on the sidelines with well, the Well, I press. guess by April, the weather will be much improved, too. So that's on their side. If they wanted to do it all outside and everyone wearing masks, they could get Right, and, like, that. socially distanced mm-hmm. and stuff. And I can see them having some kind of – I mean, they have plenty of time to prepare now for this. So I think they'll be able to pull it off. But it's said, like, tentatively there won't be a red carpet. So it could all change in a matter of months. But I'm sure they're trying to feel out the situation. I would love to see them on the red carpet again. It's something that I feel like we've missed so much in this last year. They've gone together. William and Kate have gone together for the last five years. So there's been so many good moments from meeting the Crown cast, talking to Olivia Coleman, all that. So yeah. So good. All right. And moving on, our first order of business here is Prince Harry's Peace in Fast Company. It's actually a Q&A. So remember his Fast Company essay in August? Which was amazing. I loved it. All about social media and companies spending money on Facebook, that ad boycott. Well, this Q&A is with Fast Company again, and it seems less about what big picture goals they have for Archwell in regards to online communities and fostering um, goodness in that regard. But more about addressing things that have come up in their public absence. So things that they can't really, you know, speak to. There's been so many rumors in the press about quitting social media. So Harry really address that head on in this piece. He also talks about the Capitol riots. He talks about media harassment of Megan. So it is this all-encompassing piece, and it does feel more like he just needs to kind of answer to specific things that have been going on in the news and less about what their goals are for Archwell. So well, it has to be such a weird dance for them too. figuring out that I know you're going to get into it a little bit more, yeah. but just how they because they've gone from like not making statements about everything to now suddenly making statements that are wanting to make statements when right. they feel compelled. And it's like, how do you 
what's the balance there? How do you do that? It's interesting too, because like they have come to the States and have now kind of the freedom to not just never explain, never complain. Like they do have the freedom to kind of speak for themselves and yet they aren't really able to use it because they're not on social media. I mean, Mm -hmm. Sussex Royal is still up, obviously the Instagram account, but they haven't really, you know, used that to their advantage yet, that freedom. And so I think that the essays like Megan writing in the New York Times and Harry's fast company piece from last summer is is definitely their way of doing that now. Absolutely. I Yeah, I think they've done it poetically, but it has been a little bit all over the place too. In, yeah. in a variety of sources, I mean. Well, and it lags a little bit behind. So these rumors of them not being on social media anymore, which we covered in a previous episode, that was a while. That was a couple weeks ago or so. So it, I mean, it takes some time for them to kind of catch up to what everyone is talking about because they're going through these channels that aren't instant. You know, they're podcast is you know it takes time to record that they can't just immediately they could put out a statement i guess through their press team but it seems like they're doing less and less of that so and i do think on the flip side of that though if they did have an instagram presence would it be weird if they were using it to constantly refute misinformation in the press like if every time there was like they're quitting you know whatever this the rumor was that was coming up in the newspapers there's lots of them about the sussexes always um if then they were like constantly using social media for that, it would feel weird too. They, they yeah. get, they're just like damned if they do, damned if they don't. I, I think, know, which is so I know. It's crappy. always the bottom line. I think, yeah, what you're right. They would use that more for Archwell and, and furthering those efforts and less about, you know, kind of refuting what's in the news. But that would be something their PR team would probably mm-hmm. do, yeah. which I think is Sunshine Sacks. I yeah, Sunshine Sacks, I think, yeah. is one arm of it. Yeah, so I wanted to read some really good sound bites from this. So this one's about the Capitol riot. And Harry says, we are losing loved ones to conspiracy theories, losing a sense of self because of the barrage of mistruths, and at the largest scale, losing our democracies. There was a literal attack on democracy in the United States organized on social media, which is an issue of violent extremism. And then about returning to social media, he said, it's funny you should ask about us returning to social media. He said, because ironically, we woke up one morning a couple of weeks ago to hear that a Rupert Murdoch newspaper said we were evidently quitting social media. That was news to us, bearing in mind we have no social media to quit, nor have we for the past 10 months. The truth is, despite its well-documented ills, social media can offer a means of connecting and community, which are vital to us as human beings. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that a reform of the digital space will create a world that's all rainbows and sunshine, because that's not realistic, and that, too, isn't life. We will revisit social media when it feels right for us, perhaps when we see more meaningful commitments to change or reform. But right now, we've thrown much of our energy into learning about this space and how we can help. I feel like it's really interesting, that quote, because, as we said, it really does head-on address what has been talked about in the news. He's referring to the Times of London piece, which said that Meghan and Harry were done with social media for good. Why he refers to it as just a Rupert Murdoch newspaper, I think that kind of has... You know, it's almost like an innuendo as to, like, what this paper is associated with. And I think Mm -hmm. he's calling that out. It is technically owned by News Corp, so he's not wrong. Yeah. Um, But really interesting the way he's framed that and just saying, like, we woke up to this on our phones one morning. I don't know. But definitely a call out. And he's not not happy with that rumor at all. I mean, the fact that he even deigned to kind of answer it is really interesting to Mm -hmm. me. Well, and I do think it's part of a larger piece about 
the future of social media and that reform. So maybe that's how it came up in that conversation. He felt like he needed to speak to it, but it is interesting. Yeah. And we've talked about for a while, we're on the fence about whether they would rejoin just because they have talked Megan so much endured, about, yeah. Yeah, about how terrible the online community has been and, and kind of, I think this is good news for us because we know that there is an opening for them to rejoin social media and really connect with their fans again mm-hmm. like they used to. I totally to. agree, yeah. So, um, And then one last quote. It's about harassment in the media. He said, I was really surprised to witness how my story had been told one way. My wife's story had been told one way. And then our union sparked something that made the telling of that story very different. That false narrative became the mothership of all the harassment you're referring to. It wouldn't have even begun had our story just been told truthfully. So interesting to see his perspective on that because he feels that separately, you know, their stories were kind of told. And then once they were together, it really changed how they were portrayed in the media. I completely agree. I feel like the harassment about Megan really reached a fever pitch Mm -hmm. as far as when they announced they were dating. Um, You know, the avocado story, the fresh out of Compton, like all of those stories really came out as soon as. The Daily Mail found out that they were an item. And so it just... It was like that constant churn, that 24-hour news cycle that they needed content. And so it just... They kept fictionalizing so much about the Sussexes. Exactly. And, you know, blatantly publishing racism in their headlines, comparing Megan and Kate in ways that felt racist and just overtly critical. I mean, even recently, we've talked about the staff changes Mm -hmm. in Kensington Palace and Clarence House and the way that, I mean, Harry and Meghan had people leave and and had new staff come on and all that in their time there. But it was always in a frame of Meghan is really difficult to work with. She's Duchess difficult. She's getting up at 5 a.m. to answer emails. She's sending emails at random hours. But then with with the Cambridges and with Prince Charles and Camilla, it's none of that. So it just feels so... You know, such it's such a different treatment for for them. So it's just it's hard. Um, I think you know one of the things that critics have said about this Q and A, and obviously, I think we're all aware that he answered these via written correspondence. You think so? Probably That's what I was. Email. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I was. I was curious about the relationship with Fast Company, just if there's – I mean, I love Fast Company. I think that that is such a respected publication. I love that that's one of the outlets he's using. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am curious about that. It was so eloquent, but also in-depth. So sometimes I feel like email people don't go as in-depth. So I'm curious about that aspect. I can't see him sitting down and saying this verbatim. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. But I could be wrong. I mean, also, he could have easily recorded it and sent the audio files I don't know. I, yeah. I'm debating. Good, good I, I kind of think that he, you know, had time to put his thoughts on paper and really edit them for clarity and edit them down. And and it turned out really wonderfully. I think it's a really good I love Q&A. the Sussexes idea for social media reform. I think that it's a really smart idea, even if and you start at the needed. very micro level of like just being kinder in your comments and things like that. I think he has a great plan. You should read the article if you haven't. Yeah. And also to individuals, he says, you know, consider just putting your phone down for, you know, 
an hour at a time or not looking at it before bed. He has all these actionable things that all of us can do and that I really need to take to heart yeah. because I have been scrolling on my phone at night before bed and it is terrible and it's keeping me up all night. So I just need to stop. Critics though are saying Harry is lecturing about democracy, even though his whole life is really based around a monarchy, an institution. What do you think about that? So I totally agree with the piece that it is a humanitarian issue. I think that's Harry's mm-hmm. complete argument. And I really feel like we can't just, you know, his his bringing in the Capitol riots. I mean, it doesn't matter where you lived or what you're, you know, whether he is, you know, he grew up in a monarchy or not. Everyone, mm-hmm. people with a moral compass know that the Capitol riots were wrong. So mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. I think that it's completely fine and applicable for him to talk about it. What do you think? I think coming from a different background too, like isn't all it's it's not a bad thing. Like I think, you know, it it does show that he's very invested in American culture and politics and values. And I think it could be interesting, like, will he become a citizen of the US? I don't mm-hmm. know. That could be a stretch. And we and- for a long time had a really a very strong relationship with the UK. So I feel like he's grown up watching. I don't know. I just I think his, for him to comment I mean, his on mom democracy, talked about moving fine. Princess Diana talked about moving to New yeah. York for so long. She really wanted to be living in the United States and get away from that all. So I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like he's he's following more in Diana's footsteps than we thought. Um, but it is interesting. The closing, though, we have to talk about the Archie mention. He said, this is Harry's <laughs> quote, we have to believe in optimism because that's the world and the humanity I want for my son and all of us. We look forward to being part of the human experience, not a human experiment. Call out to the algorithms there. Mic drop. That was very good. Yeah. yeah I totally agree. We are in charge of this future that we're setting yep. up for our kids. So. And one last note about the Sussexes. So the trial. We have got about one week till we potentially hear Justice Warby's decision on whether Megan will be granted a summary judgment. He said it would take about two weeks when they started, and that was a week ago. So we will keep you posted. But a couple things we want to make clear. What's important, I think, the most important thing right now is the Palace Four. So we mentioned this quickly last time, and it's these four witnesses who are royal household staff members, Jason Knauf. Christian Jones, Sarah Latham, and Samantha Cohen. Christian Jones is a former household member. Remember, he was he is moving on to a new position. He was with Kensington Palace for 10 months. Um, but these four have been called by the male's legal team. The four senior royal household members will be called to testify if this indeed goes to a full trial. And the legal team representing them said that they wanted to remain strictly neutral, those four hmm. people, which is really interesting because you'd think that they'd want to – testify on the side of the people that pay their paychecks each month yeah it's it is interesting because you know they said they do not want to be involved in the trial at all but if they have to they will take the stand and provide information about the letter that megan sent to her father thomas markle but man it feels icky that like they would testify on behalf of the mail on sunday yeah, I don't. I mean, if they helped write that letter, it's like, yeah, who is their loyalty to? I guess the goal of staying neutral is that they don't get themselves into any, yeah, back themselves into a corner. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and they, and they do say they are, they are, they are going to remain strictly neutral. I'm so. hopeful for a summary judgment for Megan because I just feel I like hope. this is going to be awful if it goes to trial. It just seems like there's too much though to unpack. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see. Um, another staff change though that we mentioned, apart from Christian Jones, was a few weeks ago Julian Payne, who worked with Charles and Camilla for five years, and he's really credited with 
building back up their reputation, which Prince Charles obviously mm-hmm. has had a hard time with, and Camilla um, after, you know, Princess Diana and all of that. And, you know, he is leaving. He's going to a new job, I think, at a venture capital or hedge fund or something. Um, but this all kind of got you know, pushed under the rug because of inauguration news, which is interesting. And we didn't hear much about it. And it, it has really taken a backseat as far yeah, as other not things, a ton so. of coverage on it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, on the Cambridge side, we had a double Zoom from Kate because we saw her twice on Zoom. William was in one of them um, over the last week. I loved it. A post-birthday for her. Uh, the first call was her call with the NHS nurses. So the Duchess of Cambridge spoke with nurses from University Hospitals Coventry and Warwickshire NHS Trust. And the context of that is that this is the hospital where 90-year-old Margaret Keenan on December 8th got the first ever vaccine delivered, administered in the world. Mm. So it's definitely a very significant hospital in the scheme of the pandemic. And the nurses there have also administered close to a half a million vaccines already. So it speaks to their progress. Really incredible. Yeah. And Kate is actually patron, as we know, of Nursing Now, the Nursing Now campaign. And the goal of this campaign, I was interested just to read a bit more, is that it helps elevate the role of nurses and make them a part of key health policy decisions. So I think that that's very necessary and a really, really cool initiative for her to be a part Mm -hmm. of. So we're going to play a quick clip of this conversation, this Zoom call. The amazing things that nurses up and down the country are doing, going that extra mile. And it's the things that, you know, it's not part of the the training and the things that you're taught, but it's the things that come from your heart. So, Roberta, I want before we get into like what Kate wore and, um, you know, what the backdrop, because there's some notes Mm -hmm. there. um, I just felt like Kate seemed incredibly personable. It's like Mm -hmm. these are the first Zoom appearances we're seeing of her in the new year. And she had it. Well, I guess this ties into it. She had a completely new look. It wasn't sort of this, you know, she's worn mostly printed dresses, things like that. And here we're seeing her in a very toned down, muted black blazer, white button down, pearl earrings by Simone Rocha. And her hair is not voluminous. It's not done up. It's just completely straight. It felt very relaxed and low key. I think two things I wanted to point out. One, she looked incredible. Her hair has grown so much. And I think we can all relate to that. Like I haven't yeah. gotten a haircut in so long. I'm showing, yeah. showing Rachel my <laughs> split ends over soon because it's so bad. Um, but also I read somewhere that her hairstylist was like, she's getting so good at doing her hair in, in lockdown herself. And I thought that was really She's like relatable. not going to need the whole like team anymore. No. Yeah. And her, her like darker brows and they were really full and filled in and thick. And I that, loved that her was like a new too. Her necklace was beautiful. Also the way she was sitting, I think she was like leaning into the camera a lot more. It was almost like she was a lot closer to the camera than in the past. And for some reason that made it feel like – you know, you're talking to her. I just felt like seeing it even on social media, she's leaning in. It's like she's listening to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes such a difference. Now you're doing it. I feel like you're oh, leaning, leaning in. The- I didn't even mean to. I'll <laughs> lean in closer to you. No, I, I think that it also what was interesting to me is the location is that they got permission from the queen to record this Zoom from Sandringham. They seem to now have a, a working office. I Googled it. It's only a five-minute drive from Anmer Hall for her to get there. And so I just think that I wonder if the distance from the kids allows her to focus so much more. I mean, not. I just want to be clear that she, her and William have been exemplary in how they've handled Zoom and all the way back. Mm-hmm. But I just she just seemed so at ease and natural and just um, in her element in this setup. So I, I loved this Zoom. What a perk to be like, Hey, Gran, can we borrow your 
palatial estate that's five <laughs> minutes down the road for this recording. I do think, though, that's a trademark of being really good at Zoom is being able to do it from anywhere yeah. and kind of move your setup and tweak things on the spot. Like, I know for me and you, obviously, we've yeah. been so many places in quarantine where we've had to kind of pivot our living situations. I basically moved back in with my parents for the last Mm -hmm. four months. So I've been moving my recording equipment. It's not easy. It definitely takes adjustments and being able to say like, this room is soundproof, the lighting's okay. So for them to be able to do that, you know, I think it shows that they are getting reaching a whole new level of proficiency. Totally. totally. And what a setup this is, too. I feel like for everyone that watched it, just the throw pillows, the plants, the couch. And we we saw some new photos behind her, the, uh, her and Louie from the Chelsea Flower Show, I think, was prominently displayed. Was that in the other Zoom from earlier when she – I can't I remember if that was in there. I thought it was – one of George. I don't know if it oh, was yeah. one of Louis. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll have to cross-check that. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a great setup. And I think this Zoom call in particular for me also shows how coordinated the efforts are of the royal family to promote the vaccine. And I think that I was reading a little bit about this, the fact that it is a matter of national interest. And also that, you know, back in the 1950s, the queen also went public about Charles and Anne getting the polio vaccine. So this is very much in line with how they've handled vaccines in the past that are this important. All right, but we also have to mention the Bon Jovi call out that Kate, you know, this this medical worker is talking to her about his patient who is suffering from COVID has a request to I think is it the patient or the patient's wife requests that the medical worker play Bon Jovi for him. And I think that the patient was passing away and she wasn't able to go in and say goodbye. Exactly. And so and she asked it, if he would she asked if the medical worker, the nurse, would sing him Bon Jovi. And he said that that wouldn't work out with my accent. So he called it up on YouTube. That's and right. uh, That's right. yeah, I think it just really shows the level of support. It's not just medical care that the nurses are having to offer. It's, you know, they're the the say the goodbye you know they're doing yeah. the sort of the emotional care too mm-hmm. of, of this person who i mean a lot of times i think they aren't allowed to have other people in the yeah, hospital yeah that's why she anymore. couldn't go in yeah right. so. so yeah and kate like i think she was really touched and moved and also was like it was it was funny because the way he told it was like a, a he chuckled because it was like this really sweet story and yeah. you know she had this genuine like smile on her face and it was really sweet so totally a good totally. moment to rewatch if if you get a chance yeah and uh, you know while we're on the subject of the vaccine I just wanted to ask if you saw that Sophie Countess of Wessex mentioned right before her birthday her dad got the vaccine so that was an early birthday present which I thought and was I a felt cool. that I felt that with both my parents getting it I was oh they like, did get it officially yes yes they oh, got it so you were I know. right in line with the Countess of Wessex I know fan. and I I know her relief like I know what that feels like and it is it's such a relief to know that your loved ones have gotten it so I got the first shot the first shot and they're getting the second shot really soon and I'm I'm hoping i want to get mine like i just want i know i I feel like we're still far away i don't know we'll see we'll see how it it goes with uh the new administration but yeah uh the second zoom call we'll go through kind of quickly but uh did kate just wear tartan after christmas i love this headline i didn't Um, realize this was not this was a no-no that this was i didn't either and then i was reading that was kind of the headline everywhere uh but she did wear it in honor of burns night yeah in honor of burns night which is i want roberta to be the expert here it's scotland's celebration of the poet robert burns who's best known for writing auld lang sign which i love Mm -hmm. um and charles lupin and charles for this call separate call or separate instagram post he read this poem in honor of the 
occasion. I want to play that clip because his voice is so soothing. Uh, so soothing. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and days of old lang syne? You know what's funny is I do remember studying Robert Burns when I was living in Scotland as a little kid. And so Auld Lang Syne is for New Year's Eve and they call that Hogmanay in Scotland. And we used to sing in the classroom, today is Hogmanay, tomorrow's Hogmanary, and I'm going doing the bray to see my Irish granny. <laughs> There's another verse. Oh, just I, keep singing I had to, to prove me. that I actually, yeah, <laughs> I actually that was beautiful. I asked my dad last night. I said, "Did you guys do anything for Burns Night when we lived there?" And he said, "Yeah, we hired a babysitter." <laughs> I love. I was dad. like, "Oh, cool, 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 smart." Cool. Um, yeah, he he said they got haggis, neeps, and tatties. So that is the traditional dinner to have. Um, haggis, as everyone knows, sheep stomach. Tatties are potatoes, and neeps are, I think radishes yeah or uh turnips something turnips, a, a turnips, you're right, you're right, yeah right. no no i was no. i was researching about that because i was so. curious uh but kate back to kate and william they zoomed with nhs tayside and helped them put on a socially distanced celebration during lockdown where they provided that exact cuisine so everyone could enjoy that at the at the the nhs staff but the the big royal scuttlebutt was about her amelia wickstead dress in a tartan print which i guess they say that after you really only wear that in december but. Similar to like they told Diana not to wear black except for a funeral. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a rule that's made to be broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love tartan and black. Well, and isn't and that like appropriate? That's very it's Scottish. Scottish. Yeah. yeah, it's so Scottish. And like when Megan went to Edinburgh, she wore like an, a Scottish plaid, I think, too, um, Burberry coat. So. Yeah, I, this rule is silly. To yeah, me. It's I silly. will wear plaid all all year long. It's great. She looks matter. phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, but I I did I I loved the zoom. I mean, her hair again, her brows, brow game strong. I actually because of Kate just bought a new brow gel. <laughs> <laughs> really by influenced the by the royals. I mean, yeah. it it makes a big difference. And they also yeah. set out a few new family photos. We had George and Charlotte's school portrait from Thomas's Battersea behind William and Kate, and then Prince William on his Africa tour. And I think. That's one of the more dashing picks of Will's. Uh, I did feel like Kate seemed a touch nervous only because I think you and I are trained to kind of zero in on her hands. And she kind of was like yeah. really gripping her thumbs in that Zoom call. She but- was holding her figure- fingers really weirdly. Like they mm-hmm. were all interlaced, but then it was really awkwardly. She was fidgeting a lot with her hands. And it That's made me not think like that- her. No. And I think that one of the things it points out is that she has probably watched her previous Zoom calls and how they look on social media and knows that it usually is cut off at that point. Oh. And this one was a little A little wider. Sandringham set up. You got to get used to it. <laughs> I know. They aren't. They Maybe they aren't used to it. I, I take back what I said. But yeah, she was definitely very fidgety, which is interesting because yeah. it was like a casual call they seem to kind of just I'm sure like all of us but there's just so much going on in the background you know and it's like you got to give her like credit for how much she's doing while juggling three kids and yeah changing locations and all this stuff with the lockdown going on yeah yeah. and the location change may have an effect like maybe she's worried about the new puppy yeah we we gotta just quickly get into this but the Cambridge family has a new dog and I think Roberta has to just take a minute because the credit goes to James Middleton her beau (laughs) And those precious dogs that we've seen so many Instagrams of, I'm so excited. I feel like I know this dog because we've seen so many pictures of it with James Middleton and his fiance Elise. 
And yeah. so it's one of those. It's one of those. Yep, it's one of the else. puppies that were, that James posted to his social. But he originally, reminder that James originally gave Kate and William Lupo back in 2012. And now he's given them a new Cocker Spaniel, Black Cocker Spaniel, whose dog mom or mum is Luna. And that is Lupo's sister. So it's like really all in the family. So which Lupo's is, the uncle, I guess. Lupo would be the uncle to this okay, puppy. Okay. And this puppy also arrived shortly before Lupo passed away in November. And they got him, and I've heard this done a lot, to give kind of Lupo a boost and give him keep him company in sort of his final days. So it's a I, – I love that, you know, James is sort of behind all this. I do too. And that they, you know, were able to adopt a sibling or not sibling, a relative of Lupo. I thought yeah. that was so sweet. But I just got to wait for the name. I was going to say any name guesses. I'm trying to think if I have any name guesses for this. Well, we've dog. got Lupo and Luna. So maybe they'll keep it with, with the L's. <laughs> Lindo. <Leslie? laughs> Lindo. That's cute. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> send us your best name guesses yeah, for the Cambridge us, dog. Please. All right, before we adjourn the royal pod, here are our highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. My low this week is kind of a silly high-low. Photographs from earlier in lockdown have just surfaced of Edo wearing a navy blue baseball cap, and it is embroidered. Personalized baseball cap. It says Mr. M.M. from Mapella Matsi. I think it's a low because as cute as this is, it really is a missed opportunity for branding. He should have had it embroidered to say Mr. B. B (laughs) B.E.A. Or I originally thought Mr. Mr. York, but then I was like, because that might be Prince Andrew kind of call out. So Mr. B is my final decision. Mr. M.M. is cute but it's not as cute as yeah mr been. b would have been great mr. i want you to be the copywriter like, for my life <laughs> mr mm should be harry's hat mr megan markle right? oh yeah 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 it's so true oh my gosh hilarious my love of the week is that came from this recent Tatler cover story that was just unveiled. I guess it comes out in March featuring Diana's nieces, Lady Amelia and Lady Eliza Spencer, who are the kids of Diana's brother, Charles Spencer. And so they, in the interview, talk about a moment from their childhood when they were with their aunt Diana, who, for reference, they were really young when she passed away. They were un- they were five when she died. So they were even younger when this incident took place. They were at the beach with their aunt Diana and they got approached by paparazzi and they were so little and they would never have understood what was going on, but they would have been scared. So Diana turned it into a game of who could get back in the car first. And that just, just reading that, just, I mean, to think on her feet like that, to know that Diana was kind of trained or used to that experience just made me feel so sick to my stomach, but. It's heartbreaking. I feel like even watching Diana in her own words this weekend, it's just the amount of, in one scene, there's a, a, paparazzi guy hanging on to the side of her car as she's driving like it is so crazy and it it just i mean i know i know that she was you know hounded by the media but the way the fever pitch that it reached with her is just i don't know and her to be like a good aunt and create a game out of this you know is really kind of insight into her very tragic too yeah Yeah, but she's so sweet and like she's so good with kids and like let's make it a game and like not showing that her inner torment and and the storm inside of her is kind of going crazy by all these people following them so all right well my high of the week is the crown cast dancing to lizzo so i was going to talk about prince charles and his squirrels but i had to you know (laughs) 
shove that to the side because this takes the cake. So on Late Night with Seth Meyers on Monday of this week, Gillian Anderson dropped in to talk all about playing Margaret Thatcher on season four of The Crown. The interview also included the secret footage never before seen of the show's cast performing a choreographed dance to Lizzo's Good as Hell. So here's part of that interview. Well, Olivia apparently uh, does a dance class in the area that she lives with a bunch of friends on a regular basis. And she, and the last time she did the class, she was, uh, they had danced to to that song, that Lizzo song. And she asked if we would happen to be interested in, um, in maybe doing it and she would video it. And then she would just share it only with her friends, the other dancers. And so it was never meant to see the light of day. And yet, here we are, the light and of yet, day. And here we are. <laughs> so good, Roberta. I've watched it probably 10 times. It's really short. And the I love dancing. Josh O'Connor in the background. And Tobias Menzies. Like, it's so, so funny. Please look this up. After playing it, Anderson said, I am so humiliated. The look on my face, there's such delight and shame. Sounds <laughs> Just, like uh, sounds like Olivia Coleman is such a comedian, which is great. I need to know and more this, of that This side. could be a TikTok dance if it's not already. And so they're pretty much all TikTok stars at this point. It's really easy. It looks easy. So I I'm going to learn it. it. <laughs> I love it. My high of the week is that Princess Anne is a muse for the Serafini fashion house. We know that obviously Diana is a style icon, but so is Anne. And she's all over the pre-fall 2021 mood board for this Italian fashion house called Philosophy di Lorenzo Serafini, which I'm unfamiliar with. But the collection even nods to Anne's equestrian days, what she wore to the Royal Ascot in the 80s, some of her evening wear, but also every aspect of country life, which I feel like we kind of get on full display Mm -hmm. in the crown, but the mood board is like, you almost want to print it out. It's so gorgeous. I love a good mood board. Come in soon. It's such a good tease. All right, just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Pretty please. Pretty please. I'll keep singing Scottish songs for you if you do. That deserves a five-star review. <laughs> Reminder to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Or I won't keep singing them if that's what you want. <laughs> you should just let us know. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and the Facebook group. You can also drop us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. You can follow us personally. I'm at Robbie Frito on Instagram. And I'm at RKBNYC. Until next week, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.